His word is what keeps everything in its place. And so we have to be reminded of that, especially when we're going through, when we're seeing things that can be somewhat fearful so that we don't move into fear. And this is standing on his promises, standing on what he has communicated, remembering what he has said, and regardless to the panic around us, not allowing ourselves to move into a state of panic, which is the result of forgetting what Father has said to us. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. After 40 days and 40 nights of rain, the water prevailed on the earth 150 days. And God remembered Noah and every living thing that was with him in the ark. Approximately one year and 10 days from the time Noah and the other inhabitants went in the ark, they came out of the ark. Noah trusted Jehovah who told him to go into the ark, and Noah was not leaving the ark until Jehovah said so. Later, Noah's sacrifice to Jehovah moved him to make a vow that is still in effect to this day. Today's study title is, And God Remembered. So, let's study. So, so the message again, and God remembered, and then for the sub-message or subtitle, it's waiting on God. In verse 1 of Genesis chapter 8, the Bible says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. And so what we see here in verse 1 is that one, Noah was remembered or Jehovah remembered Noah. And then secondly, Jehovah didn't just remember Noah, but Jehovah remembered every living thing with Noah in the ark. And so he's not just mindful of men, but he's mindful of all of creation, all of creation. And it's, it's one thing for, for us to live or to attempt to live our lives in a state of, of holiness, but it is also important for our surroundings, especially the surroundings that we have control over. See, I don't have control over my neighbor's house. I don't have control beyond the parameters or the borders of the property in which I live in or live on. So I can't tell my neighbor how to live. I can't tell uh, the people in the earth how to live, but I can receive the instruction of the Almighty and attempt to live my life the way he instructed us to live. The challenge, as you will find out, is that if you live in a neighborhood or in a community or in a city or in a state or in a nation that is not submitting themselves to the will of the book and the Almighty who gave us the book, we're going to have conflicts with our neighbors. 
We're going to have conflicts with people in the world. We're going to have conflict with, with, with government, with those who are making rules and making laws that are supposed to govern us. Because there are people who are making rules, they're making laws that are not in the best interests of the people who are serving the Almighty. In fact, some of the laws that are being passed is a flat-out affront to the people who claim one nation under and it makes you wonder if they're talking about God and country while pushing for rules and laws and rights that fly against or, or, or is against what is written. We live in a nation that has lost its way. And then third, everything Jehovah saved, he remembered. So he saved Noah and his wife. He saved Noah's sons and their wives. He saved the animals, every living thing that was in the ark. And Father, the Bible says, remembered them. Now, it's not as if he forgot. He never forgot them. But what it was is that he remembered that there was a, a reason for him putting them in that ark. And that there was a time period. Now, Noah went in the ark not knowing the time period that he would be in it. And I find this um, somewhat, it, it, it's amazing, both in uh, astonishing, but also in a way to where it's like, how long is this going to take? How long is this going to last? Are we there yet? <laughs> uh, you see, is you know, you know how we are. Because if we're going, if we if we're booking a flight, or if we're planning a trip, or if, if we're going something, especially with with our GPS and and, and our old timey maps, for those of us, and we try to chart the course of okay, if we're doing fifty miles an hour, fifty five miles an hour, sixty sixty five miles an hour over a certain amount of time, we should arrive <laughs> at such and such. Noah had none of that. He had no information other than Noah. I want you to gather these, uh, build this build this ark, gather these animals, and you all go in because I'm about to destroy everything. Now, Father made all of creation in six days. <laughs> he could have destroyed all of creation in six days or less. You, 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 you get this? Because remember... It only took uh, a day or two for the ground to appear <laughs> because every, it was water everywhere. The Bible tells us that everything was covered with water. Water was, was over the face of the deep and the earth, the dry ground, the, the dry land did not, was not there. And so, Jehovah caused a wind, and that word wind there is ruach. Um, it's spirit, it's breath, uh, 
it's when, it's all of that. You put holy, and what you have is a holy wind. You have a holy breath. Or, yeah. Right? But it's, Ruach is wind, and it is also spirit. <laughs> so, Jehovah calls the wind to pass over the earth. The waters from above and the waters from below subsided. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And as we went into this, remember in the um, days of creation, we talked about um, how the, there, was, there was the water separated, the, the water from above, that was separated from the water beneath. And we discovered that there's as much water above. And when, when you look at the oceans and the seas and you see all of this water, it's very difficult to imagine that there is as much water above us as there is beneath us. And that the only thing that keeps them from colliding with each other is what Father spoke. His word is what keeps everything in its place. And so we have to be reminded of that, especially when we're going through, when we're seeing things that can be somewhat fearful so that we don't move into fear. And this is standing on his promises, standing on what he has communicated, remembering what he has said, and regardless to the panic around us, not allowing ourselves to move into a state of panic, which is the result of forgetting what Father has said to us. In the 600, going back to Genesis chapter 7, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, remember the Bible says the same day were all the fountains of the great deep that's the water underneath us, was broken up and the windows of heaven were open. And, and here's what happens, brothers and sisters, is that the water from the deep and the windows, the, the water from above comes together <laughs> again. And the only thing that keeps Noah safe is Father's instructions on what to do. Noah didn't know um, how much water was going to, to happen. I mean, come on. We have heard about ca catastrophes. We've heard about tsunamis. We've heard about hurricanes. We've seen where floods over the course of our life have completely covered particular towns, and cities, and yet it has never been to our knowledge in our lifetime where whole towns and everything in it was covered with water. In this particular situation, not only is everything covered in water, but the highest peaks is covered in water. 
It rained for how many days? 40 days and 40 nights. And we know this because of Genesis 7:12. The rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In verse 3, Genesis 8, And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the 150 days, the water was abated. So during this 40 days and 40 nights, where the rain came down and the, and the water uh, from the deep was broken and came up, what happened for 40 days, the water covered everything on the earth. But that was only for 40 days. Now, that 40 days was what we would today consider to be a month and 10 days, or if you subtract that from 150 days, you got another 110 days where now there is no rain. It's just standing water. No rain, just standing water. And now Father begins to, the Bible said, well, we'll see, the wind comes over the water and the water begins to abate. The water prevailed on the earth 150 days. Genesis 7:24 lets us know um, it prevailed upon the earth. It's, it was on the earth for 150 days, even though it only rained 40 days and 40 nights. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, upon, upon the mountains of Ararat. And what we're finding here in Genesis uh, 6, 7, and 8 is we're finding some very uh, particular numbers. It's very key instructions to give us timelines of how, how long things lasted. And of course, Noah had no well, we don't know. It is not recorded that Noah had knowledge of how long this was going to last. And you're going to see here that Noah had some tremendous faith. I mean, when I, when I look at uh, and I try to put myself in the characters of the Bible to try to understand what is going on, then... It amazes me the faith that Noah had. Approximately five months to the day, Noah, his wife, his sons and their wives, and all the living creatures went into the ark, and the ark rested somewhere. So five months after they went in the ark, they are in a boat, and they... They, they can't see outside, and they certainly don't want to be outside because common sense will tell you that if it's storming outside and you're on a boat, <laughs> um, especially a boat, well, first of all, you don't want to be a, on a boat and it's storming outside if the boat can't handle the water you're in. And even if the boat can handle the water you're in, you don't want to be on the boat. And, you know, these folks who go on cruises and th things are like that, of course, they have uh, 
monitoring systems, but from time to time, those cruise ships find themselves in unexpected stormy water, even to the point of running the ground in some cases. And they're built for that. And so you don't want to be on a, on a boat or a ship that is not built, and you certainly don't want to be on the deck when the water is coming down and the storm is raging. So they're inside. Now imagine being inside where Father told them to pitch it, to pitch it with pitch. So if there is places for them to see outside, is places for water to come inside. <laughs> Are you getting this? If there's places for them to see outside, there's place for water to get inside, which says to me that they couldn't see outside. And five months. Now, if you can't see outside, it's, it's difficult to know when the sun goes up, when the sun goes down, when a day begins, a day ends, so it's hard to count the days. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint a picture to try to help us get inside Noah's mind and, and the people that are in that ark during this time, completely trusting. Now, if you own a ship, own a boat, and you're not controlling which way it goes, you have no idea where you are. You don't know if you're heading north, south, east, west. You got no clue, and you don't know what day it is. And this is total trust. It's total faith to the point to where it causes me to question my faith, my level of faith in the Almighty. And so Noah is a lesson on faith for me as I'm watching him. And if you remember it, I asked the question a couple of weeks back, if Father wanted to start over, would he choose you? Would he choose me? Because this is that kind of scenario. <laughs> and, and my thinking is, is that if, if Father is, is, is destroying everything because of unrighteousness, whoever is going to be chosen is going to be a person who is righteous. And so it causes me to question my righteousness. If I'm putting myself in the day of Noah and you put yourself in the day of Noah, would you be, would you been one of those on that boat or one who was left behind? Because those days are coming again. And so approximately five days from the Day, Noah and the inhabitants of the ark goes in. It rests somewhere on Mount Ararat. For almost two and a half months, 
after Noah and all the inhabitants of the ark remain inside the ark waiting on the instructions. Now, they may not have been able to see outside, but they could more than less feel movement. If you've ever been on a ship, you can feel the movement, the motion of the ship. So now here it is. There's no motion. There's no movement. And for two and a half months, they remain inside the ark. Now, my mind, my inquiring mind would, because there was a window in the boat. <laughs> there was a door <laughs> in the boat. But they remained inside. And I suspect they were waiting on the instructions of Jehovah. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Forty days later, Noah opened the window and sent forth the raven. Now the raven survived on its own and did not return. The Bible says that it just went back and forth. And it was able to because obviously the the ground the the water had this had had left uh, to a certain certain point, and land appeared. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro, until the waters were dried up from off the earth. The earth included the mountains, the hills, and various terrains. And then Noah also sent, a, sent forth a dove to see if the water was gone from the ground. The ground was the flat lands, the tillable ground that could be planted and would yield its crops. And so that's a distinction between the word um, earth and ground in this particular passage, in these passages. And so... The dove went forth from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Now, the, 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 the raven went forth uh, to see if the water uh, was off the earth. The dove goes forth to see if the water had abated from the face of the ground. So this is a lower terrain, and this, again, is tillable uh, ground. The dove returned because she found no rest for her. And I found it interesting that the, the, the raven had no gender. It didn't, it, the Bible didn't distinctly identify the gender of the raven, but it identifies the gender of the dove. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet, and she returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth, then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Now, this could, in my mind, I'm thinking, why is it the, the raven genderless, but the dove is, is not? Because at some point, the dove is not going to return. And the raven is out there going to and fro doing whatever it does 
And just looking at the distinction between a raven and, and a dove and what um, a dove needs to live and survive and what a raven uh, lives and survives on. Now, I, I suspect that, and this is just me, that during this time, when you think about this, there's a lot of carnage. I mean, it's just a lot of carnage. You see, yeah, the raven could 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 <laughs> be in happy land. Because <laughs> the dove is a different story. But this is just my mind thinking because the Bible doesn't tell us these things. But it also lets us know the difference between the or the distinction of the gender of the dove versus uh, the raven. Up to this point, Noah has not heard from Jehovah. Noah does not have instructions on what to do next. So he's testing the environment to get a feel for the conditions. And you've heard me say that when you don't know what it is you're supposed to do, it's best not to do anything. Because it's, it's too often, and I try to watch, because people's conversation, well, you know, this could be, or this, this may mean this. Well, I may try this, or maybe, maybe this is what Father wants me to do. Well, maybe this happened because of that. Well, maybe, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that. And it's a lot of maybe. What do you think? What do you think I should do? You see. And you have to be careful if people are pressuring you to give you answers to their circumstance and what they should do because whoever instructs them or don't instruct them are the ones they're going to blame. If things go wrong, they're going to have they, it. For humans, it's as if they need somebody to point the finger at instead of taking the responsibilities for their decisions. And Father is not going to hold anybody else responsible for the decisions you make. You might point the finger at people. You may blame other people, but Father is not going to hold them responsible for your behavior. You may be able to justify your behavior because of someone else's behavior, but Father is not going to hold someone else responsible for your actions, for your attitude, for your behavior, for the decisions that you make regardless to where you got your information from to make those decisions. Now, if you get your information from him, he's going to hold himself responsible for your decisions if you're following his instructions. But if I'm following his instructions, and he's holding himself responsible and accountable for the instructions that he gives me, then I know that 
I'm not going to pay for following his instructions if I'm misled. <laughs> you get this. What are the chances of him misleading me? What are the chances of somebody else misleading me? What are the chances of me misleading myself? <laughs> Hello, somebody. Seven days later, Noah sent the dove out again. Verse 10, and he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. This time the, the dove brought back a sign of life. Verse 11, and the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were baited from the earth. Noah sends the dove out again, and this time the dove does not return. Verse 12, and he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him. So we see all this time pass. It's dry. The ground is dry. The earth is, is dry. But Noah's still in the ark. Eleven months from the time Noah and the rest of the inhabitants of the ark went into the ark, Noah removes a covering. Now, this covering is only is being mentioned for the first time. Because it certainly went in the instructions that we found in chapter 6, in verse 13. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, talk about precision here. The waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Now, it makes sense for there to be a covering. But the only time this word covering here is used in the other times that is found in the Bible, this particular word, it has to do with the tabernacle covering. And here we find this covering that was not given part of the instruction, which suggests to me that everything Father told Noah is not written here. Now, I say that with caution. <clears throat> and the reason why I say it with caution is that just because it wasn't mentioned in chapter 6 when Father was giving Noah the instructions, it's mentioned in chapter 8. What does that mean? That if I want to get information on what is written, just keep reading. Otherwise, people will find themselves validating writings that are not in the book. They'll look outside the book for answers to the book. And this is a mistake. When people go outside the book to find answers that are not in the book, then the answers that they find cannot be validated by the book. And what do you have? You have people looking outside. See, because this is, this is how Judaism and uh, Zoraism and Kabbalism and a whole lot of other isms have found themselves prominent places 
the 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 oral Torah, the oral Torah, this 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 Torah outside of what is written Torah, it is validated by the ideology that everything Father said to those in the book was not written in the book. And so now if you want to know the additional stuff that Father said to them that was in the book, you need the oral Torah to understand the book. When the fact of the matter is that everything Father wants us to know is found in the book. We just got to keep reading. And anytime people pull you outside of the book for information, then you put yourself at the mercy of the people who you're listening to. And I would much rather put my faith in what is written than being pulled outside of what is written and putting, because you're going to put your faith somewhere. And some of the things that people are writing to me saying, some of the things that people are sharing with me that show me where they are in their walk is deeply concerning. Because I know what they're saying is not in the book. And I have some ideas based on my readings, things that I've read, things that I've looked at and researched out as to where it probably came from. And this is why when people are trying, are ooing and owing me with revelation, it's like, you know what? Where are you getting these revelations from? Where is is that information coming from? If, If you say Father is showing you this, what is he using to show you? Because see, somebody can go out there and read the Babylonian Talmud or the Jerusalem Talmud and get information that is not in the book. And now they get to a certain point in the book to explain it, and they say, Father showed me, Father showed, he gave me understanding of this passage. I remember for a while, people were talking about how the the priest tied ropes around them before they went in the Holy of Holies. And many, many, I'm one of those, I began to, well, you know, the, the priest, the priest had ropes tied around them in case they died. In the Holy of Holies. And it's like, how many priests in the book died in the Holy of Holies? There's no record. And where does it say in the book that the priests had ropes tied around them just in case they died in the Holy of Holies, they could pull them out? But this was a popular teaching. And the rope turned a certain color if, you know, they're, they're scarlet ropes that turn white if their atonement was, a, was accepted. It's like, where is that at? Well, Father showed me. He gave me revelation. He gave me insight. He revealed to me only to find out you've been reading the, the Talmud. And now you're bringing the Talmud into the teaching on the Torah, validating what Father showed you. 
Was that a revelation by the Spirit or a revelation from a book you read? Because people will present revelation and you assume it's coming from the Spirit only to find out they've been reading somebody's material and bringing in material you don't know, you are not aware of, and preaching it as if it's him revealing it to you. And we have to be mindful of these things. And then, Father forbid, all these prophecies. I mean, there are true prophecies. There are true prophets, but you got to distinguish the true prophets from the false prophets and the real true prophecies from the false prophecies because there is much false prophecy as there is true prophecy. And there is many or more false prophets than there are true prophets. And how do you know who's who? See, folks used to could pull one over on me. But now I listen not only with my natural ears, but I listen by the spirit because here's the thing about fake. Fake is going to show its flaw. Now, there, there, there's flaws because all of us are flawed, but the message, the word, shouldn't be flawed. When the word has a flaw, it's not the same as the messenger. And a flawed word is a word that doesn't align with what is written. But if you don't know what is written, how do you know what is being said aligns or not? And how do you know that somebody is speaking something that goes against what Father has spoken? If you don't know what he has said. You got all these people out here wanting a word, wanting a word, want somebody to give them a word. Well, what is Father saying to you? And why do you need to go to somebody to get a word for your life when you claim to have a relationship with the one who got to give somebody a word for you? And that's in no wise discrediting the gifts of the Spirit the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's not, it's not, it's not about that. Noah stayed on the ark even though the ground was dry. Noah and the inhabitants of the ark remained on the ark approximately one month and 27 days after he knew the ground was dry. Knowing the inhabitants could have left the ark and went scouting the land, <laughs> but instead chose to wait on Jehovah. Approximately one year and 10 days from the time Noah and the inhabitants of the ark went in the ark, they came out of the ark, approximately. In Genesis 7 11, it says they went in on the second month, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month the 17th day of the month. And then in Genesis 8, 14, it says in the seventh month on the seven and 20th day. So they went in on the 17th day of the second month. 
they came out in the 601st year in the seventh month on the 27th day of the month. Where is it? Yeah, there we go. And it came to pass in the 601st year. They went in in the 600th year. You see that? Time and the reckoning of time continued, although Noah and the inhabitants of the ark knew not what day it was, for they were inside the ark for most of that time, not knowing the day from the night. Noah hears from Elohim after waiting all that time on him. You see, Noah trusted Jehovah, who told him to go in the ark and was not leaving the ark until Jehovah said, leave. This is really what it boils down to. He's waiting on the one who told him to go in to tell him to come out. And I can imagine, you know, Noah's wife, who, according to Scripture, is silent. But you know wives. They're not silent. And Noah's sons, you know sons. <laughs> Those of you who have sons, you know sons. They're not they're not generally silent. They got questions. And Noah's son's wives, they got questions. It's like, Noah, how long, how long we gonna be here, Noah? It's dry, it's dry. The dove didn't come back. The dove got more sense than you got. I doubt if they said that, but you know how 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 uh People can be. And so Father tells Noah, go forth of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, your sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing, because Noah could have left and left the ark. I mean, left everything. And he said, bring it out. Bring out all the flesh, every living thing that is with thee, of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. These are the instructions. Now that Noah knows what to do because he's received instructions from Jehovah, he proceeds to follow the instructions he had been given. Now when that, when that dove took off, and here we see the instructions of being fruitful and multiply, you have a lone dove that is out there until the rest of these animals are released. And again, you know, we don't know if the dove was pregnant or not. We don't know. The dove could have been out there reproducing what had already been put in her, which is where my mind goes because of the emphasis that it was a her and a she. And we don't know uh, if, if they are going through the reproduction process on that boat. We don't know. Noah could have. 
I don't know what Noah was eating because here's what I do know is father instructed Noah to bring food for himself and for the animals. And I would dare say that since father knew how long they would be on that ark, that he gave him instructions on how much food to bring on the ark. And he could have been eaten. Um, I don't know. I would find it difficult for him to be putting a fire together on that boat. Maybe they did. Maybe they had the, con I don't know. It's, it's, there's things that are not there. But we do know that the dove left and it was out there by itself. The, the crow left or the raven and it was out there. And, you know, for, for a while growing up, I didn't know the difference between a blackbird, a raven, and a crow. But they all have distinct characteristics. As a matter of fact, there are different, um, different um, species of crows. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting, to say the least. Now that Noah knows what to do because he has received instructions from Jehovah, he proceeds to follow the instructions he's been given. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Now, Noah remembers Jehovah and what he had done to save Noah and the inhabitants of the ark. And so what does Noah do? Noah builds an altar and he offer, and that shouldn't be a burnt offerings, it should be burnt offerings because Noah take animals and he sacrifices or offer burnt offerings unto Jehovah. Verse 20, and Noah built an altar unto Jehovah and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, notice the Bible here again is being specific. Noah didn't just take any animal and offer it. He took clean, clean beasts and clean fowl. And he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, a burnt offering is wholly consumed according to Leviticus 1. While in other animal sacrifices, only the fat portions were burned, the purpose of the offering was propitiation and the entire consecration of the worshiper to Jehovah. And so Noah here is, is presenting offerings in thanksgiving and atonement in a sense but what he's doing is he's sacrificing for being delivered, for being saved. He's, he's presenting his thanks to the Almighty for what the Almighty has done. And it's, it's, so, it's such a powerful act that it provokes a response. The animal for this sacrifice could be a young bull, a lamb, a goat, turtle dove, or a young pigeon. 
but it had to be a perfect and complete specimen. The type of animal chosen for this sacrifice seems to be dependent on the offerer's financial ability, and this is later. Here, Noah's got the, the he's got all kinds of animals, uh, because remember he took seven of every clean and uh, a pair of every unclean. The one bringing the offering was to lay a hand upon the animal so as to identify that animal was taking the person's place and then to kill it. The priest then collected the blood and sprinkled it around the altar in the sanctuary and the worshiper cut up and skinned the animal. And so when by the time we get to Leviticus 1, where Father is giving instructions on how to present these offerings, there is a process. And so whatever is within the believer or the person making the sacrifice is transferred onto that animal and that animal now becomes a sacrifice for that person. And so what Noah did is saying, you saved me. You delivered us. And now he's offering sacrifices in proportionate. And it's not just for his own deliverance and salvation. It's for his wife, for his sons, for his son's wives, and even possibly for the animals themselves. If a bird was brought, the priest killed it. After the priest arranged the various parts on the altar, the entire animal was burned as a sacrifice. The only portion that was remained was the hide, and the priest received it. Then this portion comes from Holman's Bible Dictionary. Noah's sacrifice moved Jehovah to make a vow that is still in effect to this day. And this is where Jehovah said, he smelled the sweet savor and said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. And so who is he vowing to? He's, he's saying to himself. He's speaking to himself. He's, he's not making a covenant with man. He is making a vow unto himself on man's behalf. And even to this day. And what is he saying? I know man is evil. His imagination is evil. Look at what it says. I will not again curse the ground. Anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. Now, if, if, I can, if I can just take a moment, because Father was speaking concerning the condition of mankind at the time of Noah. And yet, mankind's imagination, his heart was evil from his youth. Noah found grace in Jehovah's sight. Why? Because Noah wasn't like them. And, and here's the thing for us. Because even though we see the wickedness that surrounds us, we can become like it. We can become tolerant of it. We can even, because there's a, there's, a very, there's a very fine line here, especially when we look at the behavior and lifestyle of the people in 
the earth is you can make excuses for instance we know that there there are sins that are under death unto death and there are sins that are not of course you and i don't have the the right or the legal standing unless of course you're in some state and you're standing your ground or unless you're in a situation to where you are in self-defense of some form of abuse where your life is in danger however there are things that according to the book that certain lifestyles are deserving of death and we don't have the legal right in the earth of man's kingdom to carry out those death penalties so for instance government makes rules and laws that now govern us as citizens govern um, um, schools and universities and have basically tied the inhabitants uh, into having to comply to the rules and regulations even with the possibility of losing um, government standing funding uh, there are some states now that are making it uh, mandatory for vaccinations and taking away religious rights to where you can exempt yourself because of your standing in faith. Um, there are certain religious belief systems where people don't take blood. They don't uh, allow transfusion of blood, even if it means um, death. People who refuse to be resuscitated because of their own wishes. And yet government continues to encroach upon the rights and freedoms of the people that they claim have freedom. See, you don't have freedom when the government takes it away. And then celebrate the freedoms that we have claiming that those who have died for our freedom while at the same time taking that very freedom away or rights from parents because brothers and sisters the moment you get a birth certificate the moment you get a social security card the moment you are recorded on government record you become now a uh, a entity of the state and because you're an entity of the state, you can actually become a ward of the state to where the government can overrule your rights as a parent if, you, if the government feels that you are making decisions that are not in the best interest of that child regardless to your religious belief. While at the same time, protecting your rights as a religious person you see the hypocrisy here. You have rights, but you don't have rights when your rights interfere with our authority in your life because you belong to us before you belong to him. And it's coming to the point to where you have to make, a, you're going to have to make a stand to say to government, you don't own me when government has the authority to throw you in jail. This is 
what it's coming down to. And so it's making rules and regulations that you have to comply to, or if you don't comply, you now could be viewed as a hostile, a domestic terrorist, a hate group. And once it tags you as such, then now it has certain rules and laws and rights that kick in unbeknownst to you while you think you still have rights. But once you've been branded, you no longer have the rights you think you have as a citizen of these United States of America. And every election cycle, and especially every presidential election cycle, which we're embarking on again right now, you have individuals that are, they are much farther out there in debauchery than the last election cycle. And it's going to continue to increase to where the rights of men to live and do and behave and act any way that suits them. You have people who are claiming to be a man, though they were born as a woman who are getting pregnant as a man. And the children are so confused and the government is trying to take away the rights of the parents to unconfused children and children who have been sent in this confused environment. I'm telling you, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. And Father's saying, look at all that wickedness, but I'm not going to destroy the earth again like I have done it. And so what is he going to be looking for then? He's going to be looking for people like Noah who live righteous in an unrighteous environment. Now the question is, how do I live righteous in an unrighteous environment when the world around me trying to force me to accept its ungodliness? See, I, I, I got the answer. I know. And you know what it is? You see, the gospel is a repellent. People go out on the beach, they put on Santan, you know, not black folks, but, you know, people put on, keep their skin from frying. People go in the woods, they put on repellent to keep the bugs off. I'm going to tell you something, nothing repels like the gospel. As long as you stand on faith and you declare, thus saith Jehovah, this is what is written. People will argue. You just don't argue with them. And what do they do? They're going to brand you as a religious person until you get fanatical. And the key is not to get fanatical and not to get sucker punched and pulled in to their fanaticism like they tried to do Yeshua. 
You see, Yeshua was always tested by the religious leaders. And the world around us is going going to be trying to figure out a way to knock you off of your game, especially arguing the position that they have taken because most of the world is saying that even God is a God of love. And how can you represent God and not love? And how can you say who can love who? Because everybody has the right to love whomever they want to love, and it's love which is God's love, and that's not God's love. That's world's love. And we have to learn how to distinguish God's love because God's love says the world is wicked, it needs help, I send my son. I'm going to send my son to pay the price for the wickedness of the world. But I'm not just sending my son to pay the price for the wickedness of the world, whoever puts their faith in him. It requires putting faith in him in order to be saved from the wickedness. And when one put their faith in Messiah to be saved from the wickedness of the world, they have to turn from the wickedness of the world to faith in the Almighty whom the Messiah represents. And once that happens, you can no longer be wicked like the world, which makes a distinction between the world and the kingdom, the sons of of man and the sons of God. The gospel, brothers and sisters, is the only thing that is going to be able to save us. And we have to be able to preach in season, at every moment, in every opportunity. And the more you know this word, the more you can give an answer and challenge belief systems and statements that people make. Because they're out there, there are people out there who are trying to use this book to validate wickedness. And if you don't know the book, if all you got is cut and paste sermons, you got a problem. And so Father made a declaration within his own heart He says, I know man's imagination is wicked, evil in his heart from his youth. But in spite of it, I'm never again going to smite anymore everything living as I have done. While the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. That's why the earth remains. But the day of reckoning is coming. Because Messiah, we know, is returning and he's looking for a certain kind of people. Just like Father saw Noah in his day, we should be preparing ourselves to be that kind of person in the day of Messiah so that when he comes, that's what we look like. Righteousness in the midst of unrighteousness. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at ArthurBaileyMinistries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries 
on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.